Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to 1 Kings and chapter 17 in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 7 through to 16. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah the prophet, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. I came across this uh, rather sad, uh, but a, a, a quite shocking story, really, uh, in the newspaper a while back, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, four years ago, about a, a lady whose name is Diane Geraghty, who, after her husband died... Uh, her husband Joseph had, had left uh, a pension, which she should be getting £166 a week from at that stage. But after he had died, the pension company got muddled up and they thought she had died and they stopped paying her pension. And she had no money. Now, she was in grief. She was in uh, a state of uh, great mourning for the late husband who she loved and she wasn't 
together. She was afraid to pick up the phone because she had no more um, uh, money to pay for phone bills. And all she had left was some cheese from the funeral of her husband. And believe it or not, she survived for five weeks on slices of cheese every day uh, until she got put right. And basically what happened was she said, it's the way I was brought up to be independent and to look after myself. She said, I didn't want to go banging on people's doors. It would have felt like begging. I lived off leftover cheese from my husband's funeral. I just had a couple of slices each day. I know it seems mad, but I wasn't thinking straight at the time. And uh, she was in her garden one morning, teary-eyed, bewildered, not knowing what she was doing. And a stranger who was walking by saw her and asked her what was wrong. This stranger, David Kinsella, who was 67, said, I think I can help you. And he gave her a lift down to the food bank where they made her a mug of tea and a sandwich, which she said was the most beautiful thing she's ever eaten in all her life. And uh, they loaded her up with food to come back. And he got in touch with the pensions company. And soon her pension was backdated and restored. And she was brought through. What a touching story. But you know what? There's a parallel with the story we're looking at tonight in the life of Elijah. Because in Zarephath there is a widow who is in destitution. And a stranger comes to her rescue. But he's not a stranger, he's a prophet of God, Elijah the prophet, who God raised up in the Old Testament to bring the nation of Israel back to himself. And God was sending Elijah to the widow. Now, why was God sending Elijah to the widow? Well, we'd read in verse 7 that where he had been staying at a place called Kerith, which is actually in the land of Jordan, where there's a stream that feeds the river Jordan, he'd been staying there and God had sent him a miraculous provision. Food was flown in by ravens. Ravens had been bringing him bread and meat. And, and they had bringing him that twice a day and he was getting his drink of water from the stream. By the way, some people say, oh, poo-poo, a lot of miracles in the Bible like that are all just fantasy. Let me tell you a story. Forgive me, those of you who've heard this many times before. But in my first church, I had my office in the loft. And my office had a skylight window above uh, my desk where I was working. And I was working on a series on Elijah and a piece of bread fell on my Bible. I'm not kidding you. And I looked up and there was a bird, had been obviously down to a bird table, picked up some bread, and it had landed, uh, had brought it up onto the skylight, which was open, and was eating it, and it dropped bread onto my Bible. And it was as if God was saying, what you're doing, what you're reading about there, I can do. That's what I do. And it's a true story. God provided for Elijah through the ravens bringing him bread and meat and the water from the brook. But after a time, it says in verse 7, the brook dried up because there was a famine in 
the land and there had been no rain. And what do you do when the birds don't fly and the brook grows dry? You wait for the word of the Lord. And that's what happened. Verse 5, verse 8, sorry, the word of, then the word of the Lord came to him. And Elijah always acts on the word of the Lord. You'll find that all the way through his life. And God said to him in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And uh, Zarephath is up in the part of Israel which comes close to Lebanon. So you're really up in uh, Lebanon area today. If I'd put a map on there, I could have shown you better. I'm sorry about that. Uh, And Sidon, in particular, uh, was the area that Zarephath was from. And God said to go up there. It was 100 miles away, but God said, go there and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And uh, God was sending Elijah there so that Elijah could be provided for. Now that sounds a strange thing, doesn't it? Normally you would send somebody for provision to someone wealthy, someone, you know, there's a millionaire up there in Zarephath and he's going to provide for you. But God has different plans and works differently. And he sent Elijah to a widow at Zarephath. But God wasn't sending Elijah there to sponge off a widow. Because actually the widow was in trouble. And God was sending Elijah to save the widow. (laughs) And he was going to save her in three ways. He was going to save her physically from famine. By the miracle of God that we're going to read about tonight. He was going to save her son who had was going to die in the next story. And he was going to raise it to life uh, in answer to prayer. And he was going to save her spiritually, lead her to salvation spiritually. If you look at the last verse in this chapter, we read this. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She was going to come to a knowledge of the truth, as it says in the book of Timothy. She was going to be saved. And so God was sending Elijah to her. It was a a, a double miracle. You know, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes, isn't it? In 1999, a nurse by the name of Penny Brown was at what the Americans call a ball game, uh, a baseball game. And somebody hit an amazing hit. But it came down and the guy who was trying to catch it, he he sort of caught it, but it went boom in his chest. And the guy dropped down on the floor as if dead. And you know what happens in these situations? Everybody goes, and freezes. And this guy just stays still. She was up in the stands. She came charging down the stands, jumped over the barrier, ran out onto the pitch and gave him CPR and saved his life. His heart had actually stopped beating. She saved his life. Now, here's the twist. A few years later, Nurse Penny Brown was in another part of America called Buffalo. And she was in a restaurant and she started to choke on her food. And everybody in the restaurant started to panic. Then the chef came out. He saw what was happening. He went straight over to the lady, performed the Heimlich manoeuvre and saved her life. Guess who the chef was? (laughs) It was the baseball player, Kevin Stevens. She had been sent to rescue him. So that he could later rescue her. Do you see what the story is here with Elijah? It's the same thing. 
He's going there because she can feed him, because God's commanded her to feed him. But actually, God is going to take him there to rescue her. And that's what we see happening in this story. And it is a remarkable story of God's deliverance and provision in a time of famine. And you know, the Lord Jesus himself pointed to this story in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 4, he said this, he said, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. The Lord Jesus pointed out this because it was a remarkable instance of God saving a Gentile and going past Israel in the time of their rebellion. And that's what he was going to do as well. So here we see Elijah going to a Gentile territory. In fact, even more than that, he is going into Baal territory because Zarephath was the home, Sidon was the home of the wicked queen Jezebel, who was married to King Ahab, who was the problem uh, in Israel, his country, which God had raised him up to minister again. And uh, this was her hometown, and it was Baal center. But God sent his prophet in there to rescue a widow. And as it's harvest today, I wanted us to look at a story of God's provision and rescue, and I want us to see this uh, and learn the lessons that it teaches us tonight. I want you to see three simple things. First of all, I want you to see her story of fear. Her story of fear in verses 10 through to 14. It says in verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And you'll find this repeated again, people obeying the word of the Lord. And that's why good things happen. Uh, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. So the word of the Lord was exactly true. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, when Elijah meets this widow, he starts off by asking for water. Now, that was a big deal anyway, because there was a drought. Uh, But there was water of some sort there for them to be able to exist, obviously. So he asks for a little water in a cup so that he may drink. And uh, she obliges, and it says in verse 11, and she w- as she was going to get it, and she went off to get it. Now, now you've got to think here biblically, in the Old Testament, where do God's men meet their women? They meet them at the well, don't they? Where did Isaac meet Rebecca at the well? Where did Moses meet his woman, uh, Zipporah, that's it, I'm trying to remember her name, at the well? Okay, and uh, even the Lord Jesus met the woman at the well. So Elijah starts off, even though he's been sent for bread, he starts off asking for water and she goes to get it. He knows he's on track. But as she goes to get it, it says he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. We English have a phrase, it's called pushing the boat out. (laughs) And it just means going a bit further than is, you know, being daring, asking for a bit more. And this is what Elijah does. He says, please bring me a morsel of bread 
in your hand. And this is when the story of her her fearful situation comes out. She says in verse 12, as the Lord your God lives. Now hang on a minute. How did she know the Lord was his God? How does she know? I'll tell you how she knew. Because Elijah was a prophet. He was a wanted man. His wanted posters was probably all over the place for a start. Look out for a man. You'll find him in a hairy garment. But also, he was a Jew. He would have been wearing the Jewish pressure, the talit, the, the tassels on their garments, commanded in Numbers 15, which the followers of the Lord had to, to make on their garments to remind them of the law of God. So outwardly, it was visible that he was a Jew. And she says, as the Lord your God, not the Lord my God, because I worship Baal, but as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The famine is so bad, she's only got a a handful of flour. I mean, what can you make with a handful of flour? And a little bit of oil in a jar. That's all her lasting provision that she's got. And she's even just gathering sticks, and it says a couple of sticks. That's literally what it says. By the way, you've got to see this as a progression in the book of Kings. When Solomon was building the temple, Hiram, king of Tyre, up in Lebanon, he sent down massive cedars for the building of the temple. (laughs) When the nations go away against God, what they're left with is a widow catching, looking for two sticks to light a pathetic little fire. And that's how bad things had got. And she said, I'm I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. You know, friends, I want you to see this tonight because it's harvest. I want you to see this just for, for one thing as a way of contrast, a way of contrast. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate how much we have Until we remember what others don't have. If you want to know what others don't have. And think if you want to see how blessed we are. Just consider famine. Famine is a terrible thing. Famine is a killer. But it doesn't hurry. It doesn't do you the decency of hurrying. It takes its time. Killing by malnutrition and starvation. And you watch your loved ones die. And they watch you die slowly. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And it's shockingly true, but most of the world today is actually only one harvest away from famine and starvation. And that's why it's it's right for us to come here tonight and say, thank you, God, for this food. You know, it says in the book of Deuteronomy, when you have eaten and are full, then remember the Lord your God. Do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out and gave you all this. Because it's so easy for us to do that, isn't it? We say, look what my hands have provided. But we need to remember it comes from the Lord. And we need to say, thank you, God. We need to say thank you. It's such an important thing. And the story here brings out that by contrast. Famine is such a terrible thing. Uh, you know, in, um, in, uh, in Russia, a hundred years ago, well, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but we're, 19, we're 2022. 
A hundred years ago in Russia in 1922, there was a devastating famine. The uh, policies changed with the change of leadership. You remember the communists taking over and the farm workers rebelled against what they were being told to do. And they said, we're only going to grow enough food just to support ourselves. And as a result, it triggered a famine in the nations. Do you know, five million people died. It was a terrible famine. Peter Dynicki, if you've ever read uh, his story, it's an amazing book. Um, he, he's the man who started the Slavic Gospel Association. And he had family out in Russia at that time. And he knew something was wrong while he was living in America because posts stopped coming. He didn't know about it at first, but posts stopped coming. And then he went back to find out. And others started reporting. Oswald J. Smith did a tour of Russia at that time on behalf of this work. And he said, how can I describe my experience? How can I tell what my eyes have seen and my ears have heard? Words fail me as I seek to unburden my heart and convey to others the impression of my visit to the mission fields of ancient Russia. Never again can life be the same or my ministry continue as it was. he just seen people dying everywhere because of famine. You know, dear friends, we've got to see this and realise and be so grateful to God for his provision. But I want to tell you this as well. In this story here, I see a woman who's on the edge and she knows it's come to the end. But she doesn't know that God is at work. And that's the note of hope I see in this story here. God is at work, even when we don't know he is. And this stranger who's come to her is going to bring her the words of life and truth. You know, God is so wonderful how he works. And he works not only on the immediate, on the bigger level as well. I'd like to introduce you to a man from, uh, how do you pronounce that? Um, Lesotho, I think it is, uh, which is near South Africa. Uh, in, it's actually, I think, inside South Africa. It's an African country inside another one. It's one of the smallest uh, African countries. Um, and the Africa Inland Mission work in this country among the shepherds. They have uh, shepherds who work with the shepherds. And they have a program among uh, the people who are the farmers there called Growing Nations. And it's an evangelistic farming program because so many of these people are poor farmers and their crops are failing and they go in and they take their bibles in and they say look this is what god says in the bible about farming and try this and you'll see his word is true and they apply biblical principles to farming and they show them the gospel at the same time and by that means they share eternal life with people well this man here his name is tabiso and he said this my family runs a small farm and it wasn't going well when things are not good we talk to others I heard from this guy I was talking to who had seen all this beautiful stuff that Growing Nations was doing. He told me to go and see for myself. When I went to Growing Nations, I was prepared to learn about agriculture and to be given something that was related to farming, like an animal plough. But when I went there, I was given the Bible. Farming God's way teaches us not to rely on ourselves, but to consider and to seek God first. 
It took me a long time to understand that. But I think that is one of the things which actually changed my life. I grew up in a Christian family, but sometimes it's more like a custom to go to church. But during that program at Growing Nations, I was totally transformed in a different way. He was born again. (laughs) He got out of false Christian religion from just living in a Christian family to being born again. And it came through God working through his servants, helping in that situation. And here we see God at work with the widow of Zarephath. I want to encourage you. Maybe you've got your own story of fear tonight. Maybe there's something going on in your life that the rest of us would tremble to hear of. That things that are are, are serious for you. Listen, God is at work. He is sovereign. The Bible tells me in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And all things means all things. Not most things, all things. Now I can't tell you exactly how it's all going to work out but I know God's got it under control and it perhaps will be in hindsight you'll see it the Lord Jesus said on one occasion what I tell you now won't make sense but it'll make sense to you later and the Christian life we do view in hindsight and it makes sense later I want to tell you if you've got a story of fear whatever it is be be in peace God has a plan you're not here tonight by accident you're here by design And God is already working to help you. Second thing I want you to see here is not only her story of fear, but her step of faith. And we see that in verses 13 and 14. In verse 13 it says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Elijah addresses her fear and he says, do not fear. And he gives her a command which requires a step of faith on her part. He calls her to do something that actually a lot of us would feel uncomfortable with. He says, I want you to go and make that cake, but I want you to make some for me first. Now most of us would go, whoa, just a minute buddy, hang on a minute. You're talking to a widow here, she's starving and you're laying claim to some of her food. Push off whoever you are, big guy. But no, this was God's way. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests had a right to the first fruits of the land. There was something called the dough offering. Whenever the people made bread, they would take a piece of the dough and they put it on site. And that would be their offering at Sunday or Saturday, (laughs) because the Jewish people go to the synagogue or go to the temple. And they would give it to the priest to help feed the priests. Because they were living by faith, they were trusting God to provide for them as they served the people spiritually. 
And Elijah is almost certainly uh, of priestly stock because he's able to offer a sacrifice. He's able to wear the animal skin that comes from the sacrifice. All these things are traits uh, of his priestly heritage. And so he says, make me a small lump first. Paul said this. He said in the book of Romans, he said, if the first fruits is holy, the whole lump is holy. I wanted to have some Play-Doh here tonight to rip off a piece to demonstrate it to you. But basically they make the dough, they take a pinch and that is put aside and that was his bit first. And he said, when you do that, he said, then God will provide for you. Now that required for her a step of faith. It required for her to trust in the word of God. But she did it. She did it. And her step of faith led to the change in her situation. And uh, the word of the Lord was that God would provide until he sends rain on the earth in the future. And he had a, a plan of salvation for this man, this woman and her son. And I want to say this tonight, dear friends. God has a plan of salvation for you too. And I don't just mean about the things in your life now. But I mean about things in eternity. Because you see, actually, that is the bigger story here tonight. You need saving, not just from the circumstances of a difficult life. You need saving from going to hell forever. Hell is a real place. And the Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. You know what the statistics of death are? One out of one. Every one of us is going to die because we're all sinners. And we're all going to face God's judgment for the things we've done wrong. And don't think hell's a big joke where all my friends are going to be there and it's going to be a party. Jesus said this on one occasion. He said, I tell you who to fear. Do not fear men, but fear him who can cast your body and your soul into hell. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, fear the judgment of God about hell. And you and I need to. But that why, the, why, the good news is this, the Lord Jesus himself came to rescue us from going there. He came to die on the cross to pay for the things that you and I have done wrong so that we can be forgiven and go to heaven instead. He came to die as our substitute, the one who takes our place so we can have salvation. Now, to believe that, requires a step of faith. It needs you to put your trust in the word of God. Because the Bible says we don't come by our intellect, we come by faith. We come by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, but have everlasting life. It requires a step of faith. It requires you to take the word of God and say, I'm going to trust in what Jesus said. I'm going to put my trust in him and ask him to be my rescuer so I don't go to hell and I go to heaven instead. That's the gospel. That's the good news. See, God hasn't just provided for our material needs. He's provided for our eternal need. He's provided for us for salvation so we can go to heaven. And dear friend, if you haven't yet taken that step of faith, I urge you to do so. We all need to, we all need God's saving mercy. 
The third and final thing I want you to see here is her store of food, which is how the story ends in verses 15 and 16. In verse 15 it says, So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. By the time we come to verse 15, Elijah is now resident with the widow and the story is in full motion. She has acted in faith and we see that the the provision came just like God said. She went away and did what the the word of the Lord was and God did what the word of, of the Lord was and he provided for her. Miraculously, God did a miracle of multiplication. Like when the Lord Jesus fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. It just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. So God made the bread come from the flour jar every day. It was there. And the oil, the cruise of oil, it kept coming, it kept coming, it kept coming. Scientifically, that doesn't make sense. But let me tell you something, God isn't bound by the laws of science. He's the sovereign creator of heaven and earth. And he did this great miracle. And he kept it coming. Spiritually, it's a wonderful picture of the provision spiritually God makes for us. The bread reminds us of the word of God, which is our bread. Our spiritual bread to feed our souls. The oil reminds us of the Holy Spirit, which God gives us to keep us walking with the Lord in the light of his truth. And helps us to be able to understand the word and the spirit together. God provides for the Christian when he puts his trust in him. But I want to say tonight, you and I can trust God for our provision on earth and in heaven. If we take the word of God and act on it. You know what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? He said, I'll put my bookmarker in for somewhere else. But he said, seek first his kingdom, that's God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord is a wonderful provider. And just as he provided for that widow, he can provide for you and me. Let me share a lovely little testimony I, I found in, um, sorry, in uh, the Trans World Radio magazine some time back. It was of a, a, a widow in Sri Lanka, I think it was. It's, it's in South Asia and it's with other stories uh, from Sri Lanka. And in some of these countries where the church is not free to meet because the government is hostile against Christianity, what they do is they listen to the radio. Radio is more effective, actually, than the internet in some of these countries because it can't be traced digitally. And uh, so they get together and they listen to the radio. This widow says this, I come from a different faith. I was lonely and felt stressed in my life. One day I received a call from a pastor who insisted I listen to the radio home group programs. He sent me an MP3 player, a little listening device, with the Through the Bible program, that's their radio program on it. So I started to listen. I realised that God is with me always and that he is my provider. Nine months ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my saviour. Isn't that wonderful? 
and you come to know the Lord as your provider, you'll know him as your saviour as well, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what a message for harvest. The Lord God who helped the widow of Zarephath, he can help us today as well. He's still the same. Mankind hasn't changed, our problems are still the same. We might be more technical, we might be more clever sinners, but we're still the same sinners. But God has not changed and he can help us physically and spiritually as we testify to and give him thanks for this harvest. I'd like to close by saying this. If you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, you need to repent of your sin. I mean, say sorry to God and ask him to forgive you. And you need to take that step of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. Go to him in prayer, even tonight, and do that if you've not yet done so. And Christ will be your saviour and Lord.